0: Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corcion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and today we have an amazing episode for you. But before we dive in, I have to share something that's been an absolute game changer in the gear that I've been using when I was running that I think could be beneficial for you, as you if you're looking for new running gear to apply in your training. Because one thing that I get frustrated with, and I'm sure you do too, is running gear that just doesn't last long, right? Whether it rips or tears or wears away, it sucks to have to keep buying new stuff. Plus, doing that isn't sustainable for the planet either, right? All that waste is a no bueno for sure. But I recently started trying this gear that lasts long, has a five-year guarantee, is super comfortable, has extremely fun colors, because that's one of the most important things, right? It's looking good. But it also helps to support clean water programs around the world. And the gear is from Janji. You gotta check them out. They make high-performance running apparel such as shorts, tanks, shirts, jackets, and more, all built to explore the world on the run. And not only do they have a five-year guarantee where they'll replace any product that wears away, but their stuff is super comfortable, breathable, and easy to move in, especially in the summer months, which we're in right now, which gets super hot, and you need something that keeps you cool. Plus, 2% of their sales go towards nonprofits working on viable clean water solutions, so it's a way to give back and feel good about where your money is going. They have super bright colors and artwork designed by talented artists all across the world as well, so you'll stand out on the trail, right? And as I said before, man, you got to look good out there. My favorite product has been the Transit Tech Short and the Run All Day Tee. I really like the Transit Shorts because they're lightweight, easy to move on my runs, especially when I'm climbing up hills or doing faster efforts, and because they don't have a liner, it doesn't change chafe on me for the longer runs and we all know how bad chafing is so if you're looking for shorts that don't chafe this is one that you need to check out and I also like the run all day tee because it feels like you're barely wearing anything out there which keeps you really cool on a really hot day and it feels like you're not wearing anything that's holding you down but it also gives you that easy cool feel when you're using topical cooling strategies on those hotter runs so it's perfect for any hot races that you may have coming up. I know I'm wearing it for Javelina 100 later this year so I'm super excited for that. So, because it's been a game changer for me, I want it to be a game changer for you. So, I suggest you try out Janji clothing. And if you're looking to test drive it, you can get 15% off your order by using code EverydayUltra15 at checkout when you go to Johnji.com. That's spelled out J A N J I.com, or you can hit the link in the show notes to go directly there. And if you're rocking Johnji in your next adventure, let me know and I hope you give them a shot. And remember, go to johnji.com, J-A-N-J-I.com, and use the code EverydayUltra15 at checkout for 15% off your order. All right, everyone, hope you like that, and let's get into the episode. So this episode is with Candice Burt and she is the founder of Destination Trail. If you have heard of the Triple Crown of 200s, which is the Moab 240, Tahoe 200, and the Bigfoot 200, this is the company behind it. And Candace is the mastermind behind creating the entire operation. And what's super cool is uh, the lottery for the Tahoe 200 next year, 2024, is now open until July 1st. So you have a few days to jump in, register for that lottery, and it is such a beautiful race. I actually just got back from The Tahoe area and I ran across a little bit on the course and let me tell you if this is a 200 mile race you're looking to do you are in for an absolute treat you have to enter in the lottery in order to get entry into the race so feel free to go to the link in the show notes or go to destinationtrail.com to sign up for that lottery again you have to do it before July 1st so be sure to do it uh, if it's before July 1st and you're listening to this and this is a 200 mile race that you definitely will not forget so go to destinationtrail.com or the link in the show notes Sign up for that lottery and get in it. Now, let's talk with the lady herself behind Destination Trail, Candace Burt. Let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and super excited to bring you this episode because we not only have someone who's been very, very well-known in the ultra-running community for being the founder and owner of Destination Trail, which is one of the pioneers in the 200-mile races. You probably heard of at least one of them, or if not all three in the Triple Crown, the Moab 240, Tahoe 200, and the Bigfoot 200 as well, but she had also just completed a world record Four most ultras ran consecutively in a row. And she did 200 ultra marathons over the course of 200 days, back to back to back to back, times 198 from there. And so it's been so awesome because every day that she's been doing the challenge, she's been posting a little bit of a recap, an inspirational quote, a look into her life, some advice like throughout for people who are looking to do their own challenges. And even throughout the podcast, and and Candace, uh, people were telling me like, while you were doing this challenge, they were like, you have to get her on the show have to get on the show. And I was like, I definitely want to, I know she's got a lot going on. So I'll wait to reach out until afterwards. So um, it's an honor to have on Candice Burt to the Everyday Ultra podcast, world record holder for most consecutive ultras, founder and owner of Destination Trail, and just an all around awesome and inspiring person. Candace, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me on Joe.
0: Absolutely. And, and the one thing I just want to ask like right off the bat is how are you feeling like coming off of you know this challenge? Right, it's been like a few weeks, you know, uh, kind of getting back into life post the record, and you're even still running like you did a marathon the day after on on day two hundred one, which is just so cool to see. But I, I'm sure the question on everybody's mind is is how have you been feeling post challenge?
1: I've been feeling really good. I think it's kind of a a matter though of taking layers off, you know, because. Um, immediately after uh, you're just still in such a routine um, having done that many ultras in a row um, y- you just create these like patterns um, so as, as I came off of it I started like kind of peeling that onion you know and seeing like what was under the layers and realizing like some of the the pain and the tightness remained um, and a lot would kind of come and go and I'm trying to figure out like how do I approach daily life because i i keep approaching it with the same mentality of the the world record which is just push through no matter what you know but i but i do have like some kind of issues that have remained um and i'm trying to keep a, a running streak going even post world record of like a minimum of five miles a day which to me is basically nothing compared to doing an ultra um but uh yeah, it's kind of like how do I find that balance in in my life now that an ultra day seems normal?
0: Mm, yeah, and I remember like listening to another interview that you did you talking about one of the kind of inspirations or kind of thought process behind going to this challenge was building in like a running routine of doing things like consistently every day. It's so cool to see it, you know, explode into an ultra every day for 200 days. But do you see like that? It's so much easier, not even just with running, but just with consistency and everything kind of doing this challenge. Like, does your brain just like gravitate towards this is what we do now? Like, tell me, I guess, like that post mental, like adaptations that you've gotten after that 200 challenge and how it applies to consistency in your life.
1: Well, I think the mental side, it definitely feels like the biggest like boost that I got from this because um, I, I just got in this mindset of no matter what, I was going to be able to do it. I trusted myself. I trusted my body. And I kind of had to get to that point, though, within the Ultra Streak, because when I first started, I thought, I I don't know how far I can get, like might not even get two weeks. So I didn't want to put a goal on the final number early on. But as I started to get through like really challenging physical and mental stuff, I realized like I could do this no matter what, if I could get my mind behind the challenge, my body would follow. And it's like this deep trusting of like ourselves that um, that I got through it And, and this toughness That kind of built up to the point where I didn't realize it was happening until I was probably, you know, like 50 days in, I realized, wow, I'm so much stronger mentally than, than I've ever felt before to have that level of trust in my body that I could just go no matter what. Um, whether it's negative 15 out, um, you know, or 100 degrees, like I'll make it happen no matter what. So I think that mentality, you know, coming at it now, I have to be a little careful because I don't want to get injured. Um, But I also know that like, I got through absolutely every bit of like weird pain you can imagine during the streak. So I'm like, where's the limit? I I don't know. (laughs) So I, I feel like I'm trying to, take that mentality and fit it into like kind of a different reality, which is normal everyday life. Um, Or maybe I just need to like, continue with the reality that, that I had created through that process. So right now is kind of a weird in between time, I still feel a little bit like I'm in this other world. And I'm trying to enter back into this one that most people live in. So it was like there was this inside world and this outside during the streak. And I made it mostly about the inside world, the things I was dealing with. So I wasn't dealing with a lot of outside stuff going on because I had to do that to focus and to get the runs done every day. So it is weird. There's a kind of this emerging because you have to bring in like you know, your work and your family and your friends and just all this other outside stuff at some point needs to come back in and be dealt with.
0: Yeah. And that's definitely something I wanted to to dive deeper on. And something that I also respect about you too, is is you got this challenge done and it's it's not just you're a runner. You're also a mother, which I, I think is the hardest job of all time, like for sure. So you're a mother and you're also a business owner, like two very demanding things that that require a lot out of you too, and so to have those things on top of the running challenge as well, I think even just speaks more like magnitude to your mental strength to be able to follow through on this challenge, and definitely want to talk about that, you know, uh, post, uh, you know, uh, assimilation back into those kind of things. But you know, you said something that I thought was so intriguing, you know, following along your journey was that you almost had to show yourself that you can do it. And I think one of the most intriguing things about this challenge was that first month um, as you kind of gone through it and kind of learned things about. So, let's kind of start there and, and talk about that first month. Cause I, I think it's one of the most interesting things to hear when you talk about it and the things that popped up and and the things you had to navigate through. Cause I think a lot of people think you would face the same things later on the road, but I won't give too much away. So talk to us about maybe like the first few weeks, first months and, and what that was like for you is getting into the challenge.
1: It seems like a a lifetime ago, but (laughs) so, you know, revisiting that is a little bit easier right now because I have been um, consolidating all the evidence and stuff that I submit to Guinness. And so I more recently like went through a lot of those pictures and videos um, and I was feeling traumatized, you know, looking at the videos and like seeing the photos because I had to kind of like push through so many different feelings and so much pain. You know, um, there were there were moments where I thought like, I'm gonna need crutches to like finish this 50K. <laughs> and if I need crutches, can I do that? And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think that would be allowed. That's like outside aid. Um, plus how long would that take? So like I had a lot of pain early on and it and it started to happen like, I think within the first two weeks. Here's part of the issue is I didn't train for this. I just thought, well, I'll try it, you know, but I'm, I'm somebody who runs very regularly, you know, I don't have a train plan or anything, but I'll just be like, oh, I'm doing six, 10, 12 miles today. So I came off of organizing the triple crown of 200s, which has me super busy, but I try to do things like I swept, you know, a uh, 26 miles of the Moab course up in the mountains. So I had like stuff like that under my belt, but the last time I had done a 50 K was like August.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> and it
1: was just, it was just like, I'd run part of the Bigfoot course to sweep that. And I had done like 32 or 33 miles. So it wasn't very fast. Um, <laughs> but like, I just did not like think to train for this because I decided to do it about, two weeks before I started. Um, and I, and I kind of thought in my head that, that it was going to be something that as I did a 50 K a day, my body could eventually catch up, um, and get fit while I was doing it. I got very lucky that I didn't get something super debilitating, like a stress fracture. Um, I mean, I don't think I did get one, but then again, I had pain that lasted like months long. So can stuff like that, fix itself like while you're still running a 50k i don't know but i had i had some pretty serious pain (laughs) and i think if i had trained for it i I probably could have cut back on some of that Um, so yeah so the first month was extremely hard i remember emerging from it it was around like day 27 or 28 all of a sudden it was like the shin pain was getting better and i thought i'm going to be able to do this i'm going to be able i had already um, surpass the world record at that time but for me it was like if I didn't get to like at least 100 days I wouldn't respect myself as, as like a record like I wanted to get a number that was respectable like within the ultra community <laughs> and to me in my head that was like at least 100 <laughs> so I was like really worried that that I wouldn't get that far
0: Wow. And that is like just so awesome to see, like right off the bat, too. Like you get the record, you're feeling this pain, but you're like, I still want to keep going to that 100 mark, right? Like I feel like with Ultra Runners, the tier point, like 100 is there. And then you uh, living by your mantra, 200 is the new 100 after that, which is (laughs) super cool to see. I also think, like, kind of on that vein, uh, the most interesting thing that I heard and also saw, like, you post on Instagram as well is, a lot of people are asking you like, how did you put through when you wanted to quit? Right. I think that's like the most common question that we get, but your response is one of the most like uncommon ones, but I think super powerful And that, like you never wanted to stop was basically your mindset. Tell me about that. Cause I, I think that's such like a large factor to your success, but tell me a bit about that mindset. Cause it's so different, but so powerful, um, based on any other thing I've heard, you know, doing these kind of challenges
1: yeah I mean, for me, like the the motivation was always there. um my dream would be to get to do a fifty k every day, you know, without pain that I had, of course, like we never want to be in in pain or immobility the whole time. So it was such a weird question to me because I was like, Wait, quit. Like why would I have started this if I didn't enjoy that that process um and and certainly, there was suffering every day when there's a struggle between you know your body and your mind saying like oh you should rest you know like why are you running this far today and and you really do want to be outside running though because like what better thing could I be doing anyway I mean anything else I could think of probably wouldn't be as much fun sitting in an office you know like going to the store like who wants to be doing all these other things so, so I, I just kept bringing myself back to like, this is living the dream, you know, getting to go out and do this. But when you are in a lot of pain or, you know, you're realizing like your leg isn't moving right, in the right way, or you can't run fast because you're running so much, like some things like that were really humbling, um, you know, especially running in Boulder, Colorado, where you have all these amazing elite runners and you're just being like past left and right <laughs> out there. You you want to yell after them, but I'm running a 50 K, you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> my 50th in a row. <laughs>
1: yeah. You, you have to humble yourself. I never did that, but <laughs> I never yelled <laughs> that, but I wanted to, you know, cause you, you really have to, to bring it down, you know, to an easy pace each day. And some days that's, you know, uh, a nine minute mile, but some days that's a 12 minute mile, you know, just, it, it just depends. And, um, Yeah. So that, that part is, is highly challenging.
0: Yeah. I can imagine like, just like the, and the different things that you go through from, you know, having to preserve your body almost to carry, you know, that thing. And even just after the first 30 days, like dealing with like the shin pain and the foot pain and like all those things, like right off the bat, it almost like gives you that warning sign to be like, Hey, you need to, you know, kind of be mindful of so things. I'm sure you probably get this question a lot, but I know it's one that I'd be remiss not to ask is like, how did you kind of take care of your body throughout to, you know, prevent something catastrophic happening? Was it just as simple as like what you're saying, kind of going slower, being more mindful, like we're getting more sleep. Like tell us like the, the Candice birth strategy to keeping your body intact to run 200 ultras in a row.
1: Well, um, there there's this fight between wanting to get it done. So you have more time to recover. So you don't want to go slow. You don't want to walk the whole thing. Um, I also saw it as a running challenge. So Mm. walking is, it would be allowed, but, um, it, if you walked every day, it would take so much time. And, you know, that's totally doable for some people with their life, but with a business and kids at home, like I needed to balance that time versus, um, taking it easy and keeping the impact low. So I had kind of a, a, a jog run pace of somewhere between, you know, eight to, to 12 minute miles that I tried to kind of just depending on the day. So I'd say that would normally re- fall within a five to seven hour time frame. Um, but you know, we would get one day we got like 10 or 12 inches of snow. So it's like when you're running through those conditions or it's really cold and you're having to change layers and, um, you know, you could, you could add another hour or two, um, or with the shin pain, you know, I had to slow it significantly. Um, but overall, like I'm proud of the fact that I was able to run just about every day. Um, there were days like right after the hurt 100 where it was mostly walking, um, and that kind of, (laughs) but you know, that was, that's how I dealt with that balance of like you know, when things were really hurting, I would have to slow it down. And so I was kind of feeling that out. Um, what level would create an easy run for me, but I certainly had days where I had appointments or the kids need to be picked up or we had plans and I was like hurrying, you know, like, or I had a flight to catch. Um, there were days where I was like, well, I just gotta like, you know, run hard, um, or doing like the hurt 100 race. Um, you know, that, it's a race. Like it just starts out probably a little faster than, than you want, you know, even though I'm starting out easier, you know, you're going with the flow and then things start to hurt. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, I think I found a good balance, but generally it's pace, you know, you work on pace and then, um, I had a lot of tools in my tool chest and in, in, in terms of, um, like kind of rehab, um, I did everything pretty much myself though. Um, so I used to be a massage therapist, hmm back in my twenties for eight years. And I even taught sports massage. So I came into it with like this ability to be like, Oh, it's probably this muscle and this is what I do for it. But it would usually be like me hands on on my leg, like, you know, pushing into the muscle, trying, trying to solve something that way. But there were things I just couldn't solve that. I just had to, you know, like I had pelvis pain that I was like, where did this come from? It was just random, you know, The last time I had it was when I was um, pregnant with my daughters back in my early 20s. I'm like, why am I getting this now? And it's so awful because it's like your core, you know, where it just like hurts. Um, And then that just suddenly that lasted from November through April. So, that yeah, I dealt with that pain. It got worse. It got worse. Um, It's just sharp pain. And I thought like if anything was a stress fracture, that might have (laughs) been. I don't know. But. It, it just like started to die down in April. And I was like, maybe it'll go away. And it's been gone. since I felt a little in May, but I haven't felt it in June at all. So fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you just like trust that your body would heal itself or like, was it more, I'm just going to take it one day at a time? Like how, cause I, I think like a lot of the inclination for the human brain to go to when it starts is like you need to stop right now or like it starts kind of going worst case scenario. How do you manage like the, the mind from, you know, maybe either going into that, you know, stop mode, even though we talked about you never wanted to stop, but how do you almost compartmentalize that in a way that keeps you going forward and not, you know, have it deter you from the goal? Like, is it a trust thing? Is it a one day at a time? Like, tell me about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that's such a interesting um, area to explore because it comes, I believe, into fear, right? Um, mm-hmm. In any given moment, you can check in with yourself and be like, am I okay? You know, is this serious? Should I be stopping? Um, and I had a lot of different things that were like that. It wasn't just the pelvis pain, but I remember I called my friend one day, this was probably in March, and I started to tell him, I, I just... I wanted to talk to somebody about the pain and he knew I'd been having it for months. Um, and as I started to like, bring it up to him, I suddenly just started sobbing and I was like, I don't know if this is okay. I said to him and I, and I was just, I just totally like let loose. He's like, um, I'm driving. Uh, I got a bunch of people in the car. Let me call you back. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) And then I just, I got off the phone with him and I was just like, pull it together. (laughs) But I was like, surprised at how much emotion just suddenly came out. And I was like, I wonder if I was on speakerphone. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And so I you know, that was the crux of, I believe of the pelvis pain. And I just told myself like, well, if I, if I can't walk or I can't run, or if it becomes even worse, then I'll have to reassess. Um, And when I got frostbite in, I believe it was the end of January, early February, I had to assess too. You feel the fear, you know, you're like, wow, I could lose my toe, but it's like, you're not, you haven't lost your toe. Your toe isn't falling off. You know, you're not, Um, you don't have a doctor standing over you going, hey, what are you doing with your life? (laughs) Um, So what you do is you assess in that moment, but you have to be able to take anxiety and dial it back, right? Because Mm -hmm. anxiety is this overthinking, over processing of what's going on into the fear realm. And so I would just pull it back. Um, I don't even like to go to the doctor or the hospital or anything like that. So I'd call a friend who might know something about frostbite and then I research it. And before I know it, I'm like, well, the, the toe may be black, but they don't amputate it until it starts to rot off your foot. So like that's not happening. I'm okay. So I just, that's how I just dealt with those like more serious things. I would just assess it within that moment, do what I could to deal with it. And nothing came to the point where I couldn't, run, you know, or it couldn't, um, get like continue. And and I think something important to say though, at this point is like, if you're pushing yourself running where you're taking like anti-inflammatories and pain relievers and all this, like that is very bad. And you don't want to be pushing, you don't want to be taking drugs to continue what you're doing. So my one rule is that I wasn't going to take anti-inflammatories and I wasn't going to take pain relievers. And if I couldn't run without if if I couldn't run without those, then it was time to stop. And so the first month I did take some like a leave every like I remember I was taking like one during the run. Um and then I would take two during the run. And I started researching it and I was I realized that I wouldn't be able to necessarily adapt to what the things I was putting my body through if I was taking anti-inflammatories because my the inflammation response is important within this context otherwise your body won't adapt so if you start out and you're taking all these drugs eventually you will break so i that that's where the trust started i said okay i'm not going to take them and i just stopped in the first month i was like i'm not going to do it anymore um and so that was kind of the step into you know you need to feel what's going on in your body if you're cutting that feeling off and you're using drugs like that it's it's not going to end well
0: Wow, that is fascinating. And it makes so much sense too, because, right, if you're blocking those pain receptors away or that, like, because a lot of times in training, right, we all know the thing that causes adaptation is that stimulus that you're giving in. It's like, you know, your muscles breaking down if you're lifting weights, it's all those things. And it's you, if you're preventing those signals, like through that pain medication, then you don't get the adaptation, which it sounds like just implying there that. I know the pelvis pain was definitely something that was lingering a while, but for the most part, it wasn't like a just constant downward of pain where it's like every day was worse. Right. Like, is that correct? Like some days were better, some days are worse.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that after the first month things did start to like feel more natural and I was Mm -hmm. running, um, like by the time I hit day 100, I was running about an average of an hour faster per day, a whole hour a whole hour faster. Um, Part of that was I was doing more pavement than I started, um, but I was just more fit. Like I had kind of, um, my body had come to like that perfect weight. You know, I lost a little too much weight and then I got a little bit back. Um, So I kind of found this perfect balance where my body was just feeling really healthy and good and fit. Um, But after day 100, I did start to notice like that the advantages started to plummet a little bit and then level off. <laughs> so I think there is a point at which I mean, this is what I did is is in no way a good training plan to like get fit. There's so <laughs> many better ways to increase your your speed because um I lost a lot of speed during this um, for endurance, and um you know if somebody wanted to get really fit, it would be a lot better. You can build a base without you know crushing your body at first um but yeah it, it, you know it was it was definitely a bit of a of a process you know of like um a lot of pain less pain but then the pain was just moving around like it was in my thigh and then it would be the back of the knee and then it was in my foot it would just move around the right leg it was really weird and and it became kind of this game oh where is it going to be today <laughs> you know but i was able to like run you know, just consistently every day, um, you know, come, I think February was my fastest average day, you know, runs. Um, and then, and then it just went down back to, like it got slower in March and and April, but I also went to Tucson and it was hotter and, um, there was, there were more trails. So yeah, there were reasons, but there's diminishing returns at some point when you're doing that much mileage. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And it's, it sounds so interesting too, because I think when someone hears this, like on first inclination, it's like, every day has got to be harder than harder or like to hear it's like, Oh, it doesn't eventually end up getting better, but it's, it's cool to see that it's kind of like this up and down, and then plateau. It's it's not like a linear or even upward or downward all the way, which is super cool and interesting. And I know you mentioned like kind of getting fitter throughout. And I was remiss to not mention this in the beginning, but you mentioned it uh it is that you did the Hurt One Hundred. You know, during the midst of this challenge, and this is a race that you're familiar with. You you've done before. Like so, I'm curious with that experience, like going into it with all these days stacked up with basically no taper period at all. Like you're just you're just kind of going full send, like probably the most exact opposite of a taper. What was that race experience like compared to the other times you've gone in that race? Right. Like, I'm, I'm curious to see like the ins and outs. Like, did you feel like there was more endurance? Did you feel like it was maybe mentally easier or like harder? Like how do you compare that attempt here versus like the last few times you've done that race?
1: Well, normally I would uh, train more specifically for the hurt. Mm One hundred lots of climbs downhills, you know, you got to prepare your legs for, a really intense level of like um downhill especially yeah. but you know so one thing i noticed is like the uphills were easier than normal because i was just fitter like i was i was lighter and fitter so it kind of up the uphill but then the downhills were so painful especially yeah. like i basically had to walk the last loop which really sucked <laughs> but my quads got so sore that i couldn't um squat to go pee, for example. So like I had to figure out kind of on the go, um, you know, the, the sand and pee thing, which is possible for girls. And I've gotten really good at, uh, (laughs) but during the race, I was like, uh, I can't, I could not bend down. And then I couldn't for like several days, I I would have to use like my full arm strength to get down in a chair. Um, so, so that hit me really hard. I would say the first 50 K as you would expect, felt pretty good. <laughs> but the level of volume that I had on my body, and and I was just coming out of a time period where I'd had a bunch of injuries through December, what I would consider injuries. And so they had just started to go away as I went into the race and raced it. And so my body just started to hurt, you know, after, um, the first couple loops. So first 40 miles, you know, that three more to go (laughs) and I had forgotten how technical that race is. Mm. Oh my gosh. So like, you know, there's just roots everywhere. And, and I thought going into it, I was like, it is really, most people hike most of the race because it's either up or down and it's super technical. So I was like, well, I should be able to get through it even slow the cutoff. I think it's 36 hours. Um, and normally I would go into a race wanting to be very competitive and trying to win or at least get a top position. Um, and I think kind of as I, as I was like a month away, I thought maybe I could, you know, place in the race this year. And as I got closer, I thought that's a horrible idea. Like just get your finish. Um, but there was a sense that like, I didn't necessarily know what to expect. Um, But I did find that, you know, especially with the quad pain, I've never fried my quads like that. I've never felt anything that bad. I I was very concerned during the race, like how horrible every step felt. Um, So I I definitely fried um, the quad. That was, that was the biggest thing is like if I were going to do it again like that, I think I would actually try to do some downhills during the 50 Ks where I'm going down a mountain pass. Um, But I did what I could because like I told you at that time I had a lot of injuries and I thought if I did more strenuous runs in preparation that I might be debilitatingly injured so you know it's hard to say what I should have could have (laughs) would have done.
0: Right, hindsight's always 2020. 20. I mean like but yeah. at the same time, you know, when you're doing like the ultras each day, it's like the goal is like get it done, right? It, it it's a get it done no matter what under the circumstances and uh it's so interesting to see like there were things that benefited like the uphill and getting lighter, but then the downhills is it's just so interesting to see all the dynamics and the effect that it has on the body and and kind of speaking about like planning like a, a little in the same vein, a, a little bit of a, another conversation, but like how much I guess like planning day-to-day kind of goes into this. Like, I, I know like off like the, the perspective of, you know, starting the challenge is pretty spontaneous. Like you didn't train for it. You're just like, I'm just going to go out and do it. But like, were you planning out your weeks in advance or you're planning out your days in advance? The reason why I asked this question is because I'm always intrigued with people, especially in business owners. I'm sure as you know, too, like it's very much, you know, action first and, and kind of like a, you know, aim, aim, fire, ready kind of thing. uh, Or like a ready aim. Like there's really is no aim. It's just kind of go and figure it out. So how do you like, I'm curious to hear that approach because I think what has held me back in the past sometimes is you know, you, you think you need all like the details and the plans and logistics and I need to know exactly this. So, but I'm curious to hear how you approached it from maybe like the macro perspective and then also the day-to-day perspective.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if I had tried to plan it out, I would have been like, Whoa, this is a horrible idea. (laughs) It's just, you know, once I got into the thick of it, I was like, wow, I didn't think about that, how hard that would be. Or, you know, like I didn't order the right clothing beforehand. Like I didn't, you know, all that. It was like, I was ordering stuff like day to day that I needed and figuring out what shoes would work. And so for me, um, you know, I'm more of like a visionary kind of a personality. So like, you know, with my business, like I can create the events and I know what course and how it should be. And, and, um, so that it's like really interesting and the race isn't like little tiny loops, uh, or something like that. So, so for me, I've got the vision. Um, but when I get into the details, that's a part I, I hate. And I know a lot of runners love that, you know, they break down, they make all the charts and the little, that is not me. Uh, hate that part. So I hire people to do that part for me, but not for the world record. So I just kind of, you know, flew by the seat of my pants every day. I would I did learn. Um, I learned to prep the night before mm-hmm. things that I needed to do in the morning so that I wasn't spending like two hours in the morning just ah, like trying to get ready. <laughs> but that my usual way in the world is more like to to get to the morning and be like, ah, you know, and be trying to throw everything together and running late. And um, so I, I tend to not be very good at those details, but I would like set the coffee up. So all I, all I had to do is press the button in the morning and have my clothes laid out. Um, but it, you know, it's stressful. There's like so many things you have to do to like have everything ready. So my kitchen was like half like running stuff was like piled up here and there. It was all kind of like organized my idea of organization is like, there's a drawer and in it is, is let's say, um, running stuff, uh, that's like not folded and just, but it, but it's like this certain it's shirts in this drawer. Um, but nothing's folded and it's just thrown in there. Like, that's my idea of organization.
0: You and me both.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not a detail person. <laughs> I
0: totally, totally feel you. I'm on the same page for sure. Like, I I think that's like, a great thing about having a coach who's like detail oriented, where They can do the details and the plans or into your part with like a business, like great thing that makes great business owners is the ones who knows what they're good at and can excel at, and then can hire on the people who are good in those other areas. And it's so cool to see you uh, translate that into, into running as well. But then also on the micro setting up those systems for you to say, Hey, like make the coffee easier, make, you know, picking the clothes easier. It's like on that micro level, you know, still making those little changes and everything. Um, kind of in the same vein of where we started this conversation, right? Like, and I know you were mentioning that, you know, you have to kind of plan your day out with like the kids and the business. How do you manage all the priorities in once, right? Because I know a lot of people listening they're you know, usually have a full-time job, family, they're also running as well. So I'm curious, like how that kind of played a part into the challenge and going out every day, knowing that, Hey, I only have 24 hours. I got to get this 50 K in. I got to, got to, you know, be a mother, maybe do some, some business things, or I don't don't know, maybe if you set up some systems to have people take care of some stuff, but how did you balance all the priorities in order to hit your goal of at least a 50 K each day?
1: Well, um, you know, I chose a time of year that's slower for the business Mm -hmm. and, um, I actually didn't expect it to go all the way into May. Um, but I kind of, that's why I also ended it at 200 because I knew that if I went into the summer season, you know, travel with the two hundreds and all that would be so hard. So I planned to start, you know, in my off season. So there's less work. Um, and I was able to do basically my job with the businesses. I call different employees or contractors and we talk through the stuff that needs to be done. So I kind of instruct this, instruct that. Um, so I'm not doing a lot of like the actual detail work myself, but I'm making sure it's being done and I'm, um, I'm leading it and pushing it and making sure the timelines are met. So I was able to make some of those calls, um, during the run, like the first hour sometimes would just be like me huffing and puffing running, like talking (laughs) to my race director about what needs to be done for the day. And then, um, you know, he, I would say, okay, well send me that in an email. Cause I won't remember otherwise. And, you know, later in the day I could go back to email and see the list of stuff he needed done. Um, but I definitely like, there was stuff that just fell by the wayside. <laughs> and so like, I'm kind of trying to play catch up with a little bit of that, but anything important had to be prioritized outside the run, but to get a 50 K run done every day, you, you have to prioritize a run over everything else. Um, I would say the only exception would be like, if there was, you know, a a family or work emergency that, um, that certainly could have ended the streak. And I got lucky that nothing came up. Like if my daughter had to go to the hospital, um, something like that could come up. But another thing is like, I have an 18 and a 15 year old, so my kids are older and very self, you know, efficient. One of them drives, um, they're in high school. So I, I would have never attempted this with younger kids, um, I just think it would have been too hard on the family if, if I had, mm-hmm. um, but I was able to run a lot just while they're at school, you know, they would go off to school. I would start the run and then I'd be back before they were back. Not every day, but <laughs> most days. So yeah, you know, you just kind of figure it out. Like I just had to kind of figure out as I went. And by the end, my daughter's like, I I think you could keep going. I was like, no, I promised you guys like we'd be hanging out this summer (laughs) and that's not going to be possible if I'm still running at 50 K a day. Plus I just, I got to a point where I just got bored. I was like, okay, you know, I want to run up in the mountains or, you know, if you go, if you choose one day, well, I'm going to do this 50 K up at 8,000 feet. Like, it could take you twice as long. So I mm. I had to give up so much to run a 50K a day. The runs just weren't as much fun. They were boring after a while. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I've, I've heard you talk about that boredom. And, and before I do, I just want to say, I respect you so much for, for knowing it's like, hey, like if I was, you know, starting it up and I had early like kids who had an early age, like I would prioritize that. Like if there's emergencies coming up, I would prioritize that because it's it's like that two idea dichotomy where it's like you prioritize the run, but like on that macro level, you're prioritizing the things that are super important and also taking into account time of year with the business and everything. So it's very much like a conscious decision of like, this is a good time to kind go do it and still like managing your priority so I love that um and and I think two prong question there number 1 how did you do with the boredom in the middle of it because man I can see how like you know sometimes slogging a 50k on pavement can be like boring and boring and you know kind of same old stuff and then two like When you look at this is more like a broader perspective, like when you look at things that motivate you in life, like whether it is the challenge, whether it is running in the mountains, how do you, I guess, have that filter on to say, yes, this is a worthwhile thing doing or maybe I don't want to do this. So kind of a two prong question, more of like challenge specific with the boredom and second, like more philosophical and like how you pursue goals and meaning in life.
1: Yeah, well, the, the the boredom, you know, um, there really isn't anything you can do after a while. Like when you're doing the same thing day after day after day, you have to kind of accept that you need to just get through it. Um, and so, you know, the thing that would be the most distracting on the run would be make a phone call to somebody because mm. after a while, like a podcast or a book on, you know, audio, like all that, none of it's interesting anymore. It doesn't, matter, like how fascinating you think a podcast might be normally, you just get so tired of everything. And so I went through a period of time where I was like, I thought, you know, this is making me hate the world because I'm going out here and I'm just doing the same thing day after day. And I hate it. And I was just like, Oh, you know, you get so angry. Like, to be honest with you, like there is this piece. I mean, I think a lot of times you think, Oh, running, you know, flowers and butterflies and frolicking around. It's like, no, a lot of days are just getting through that hell, you know, because you've created this, you, what it becomes is when you have something that you have to do every day, no matter what it's a jail cell, so no yeah. matter how great you love running, if you continue that and you make yourself do a certain distance every day, you're probably going to hate it. And I and I recognize that. And that that was also another reason for finishing at 200. <clears throat> I mean, I didn't um, I wasn't able to avoid the hating of the run or the world, because <laughs> um, when you when you force yourself like that. Um, you do kind of like, you you can find yourself projecting it on the things you're seeing, you know? So I tried to, with nature, I was able to be like, oh, that's beautiful. Even when I was just like, I hate my life. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and I would tell my friends this on the phone, I'd be like, oh, it sucks so bad. it's like, we laugh because it's like, yeah, you created this, (laughs) like, this is your choice this is really funny. Um, and so I kind of acknowledged like, you know, there's a lot of like mental gymnastics going on just to get through. And I think sometimes people get to that point where they hate everything and they think, well, this is wrong. I should quit then Mm. for me. It was like, I mean, I, I started to want to quit the runs after a hundred. Like we talked about earlier, you know, I, I had none of that want to quit in the first hundred days. Um, but the, the, lull between 100 and 200 mentally was just like I knew I could go on forever I'd proven myself I could do it what am I here for you know and so then it became like you said you were going to do 200 you got to do 200 and so it was sticking to my word at that point and that was hard because like that's not as motivating (laughs) like to me the curiosity that motivated the first 100 days was huge. It was just like every day it fueled me. Well, what's gonna happen today? And can my body do this? Once that was gone, um, yeah, it was just, it was kind of like my own personal self-created hell. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh. Yeah. And and that's so cool to see like that, you know, you play that self-awareness game, right. Of like, Hey, like I was really curious. I was pretty like jazzed up a first hundred miles, but now it's starting to like really just get on my nerves. And um, <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. You stuck on your word. And it's also awesome that you recognize that and say, okay, if I keep going past two hundreds, I'm not going to enjoy this. I'm going to burn out. I'm going to, you know, I, I think that's why sometimes you see maybe a lot of people who are like collegiate runners or maybe they like do the Olympic trials, they get kind of fizzled out over you. Cause it's something they like have to do to your point, like over and yeah. over again. And so it's awesome to see you have that, like, you know, uh, awareness to be able to say at this point, you know, 200, 200, I'm done. I want to kind of do what I want and everything, but I'm curious why run a marathon today on 201? Because like, I would have think like at 200, you're like, I'm done. I'm like, you know, uh, well, I know you personally, like doesn't align with you, but I think for the average person like myself and everyone, it'd be like two hundred one. I'm on that couch. I'm not doing anything. So why run a marathon on day two hundred one?
1: My uh, it comes from my background in uh, massage therapy. Actually, I would say um, because if you suddenly stop uh physically doing what you're doing every single day, especially that number of miles, you don't want to push your body into like what I'm gonna call a healing crisis. So Mm -hmm. let's say that you've kind of held off. Your body has gone into this high-rev healing mode. So I've been healing at a much higher level. Things were healing faster. But there was also stuff that wasn't healing. Like I had my lips. um, I got like blisters on them early on in November. And the blisters remained until like April. Um, But I kept trying to treat them. So some things were healing really fast and some weren't. And my concern was like, if I just suddenly stop the runs altogether, is my body going to like bloat up into this like healing, like crisis, you know? And and I think there's a real possibility of that when you're doing that many miles. Um, like I would get up in the morning and and barely be able to walk up my feet because my calves were so tight. And <clears throat> and that took a while to kind of build down. So my idea was to do a reverse taper which was to kind of bring the mileage down from 220 plus miles a week every week for six and a half months (laughs) down to 168 miles per week down to I think it was 90 something down to 80 down to 60 back up to 80. That's where I'm at now. Um, And now it's like and so kind of within that range, once I dropped under 100, my body really started to loosen up. Um, But everything got so tight that I could feel it while I was running. Things were really tight. Um, You know, after the run, I would get up and kind of be like wobbling along, (laughs) you know, but then once I would start the 50 K run, it was like things would loosen up and I would kind of feel okay. So I just worried, you know, if you stop, what happens? So let's bring it down slowly. Um, Plus I wanted to uh, continue the run streak. And I think, On on another note, like, so we're talking about the physical, but there's a mental side too. Mm -hmm. You don't want to push yourself into like some kind of weird depression um, because you just suddenly stop this thing that you were doing. So it was, it was a way to ease into a more normal daily routine that, that was a more doable day to day. Um, And I just knew for my own self, my, my mental and physical health that I needed to, reverse taper it. And that's a term that um I made up. So like try googling it whatever you're not going to find it. <laughs> because the thing is is like you don't have to reverse taper from anything except something like this. You know, maybe if you were mm-hmm. doing yeah, another similar world record or like I would actually highly recommend it for people who are doing something like the AT where they're maybe doing 20 30 miles a day for 30 60 90 days. Um, but they would do it in a smaller way than this. Um, And it's a way to just ease yourself back into your daily life. So you're not just suddenly stopping something. Your body needs that slow, like return to normality, I think. And, and I haven't had any depression or anything like that. So I think, I think it really worked.
0: Yeah. And I love that you talked about that, like post goal depression, right? Because your body must be on like a high for even in the days that seem boredom, but like, internally, it's probably on this high and I can just totally imagine just stopping like what it would do like to the mind. Right. I mean, I remember my first like hundred mile race, like I was like super stoked. And then the day after I was like, Whoa, like, why am I so sad? And then I can imagine like when you're doing basically that, you know, even 50 K, but still same, same kind of goal approach of 200 days in a row, what that, mind can do, like being like, what do I do next? And then let alone the body. I love that reverse taper thing, kind of hanging on the mindset because I know you kind of ended that question with that. I'm curious, like, what are some like big lessons from like a mentality perspective that you took away from this race that, you know, maybe didn't occur to you before. And I know you have a very accomplished career in ultra running. And obviously you, you put on these 200 mile races where you probably just learn so much and just, you have vast amount of experience too. So I know that you have tons of lessons from that, but any new lessons from like the mental side that came out of doing this 200 challenge that you're going to take on like throughout, not just your running and racing, but your overall life as you look to accomplish more challenges.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to put into words because a lot of it is just something that I, that I experience and experience gives you that um, strong mentality. So for me to like, kind of try to put into words what that would be for somebody to learn from, I mean, I would say if anything, it would be something that they would have to experience on their own through doing a tough challenge. But I did, I did learn that mental toughness doesn't, doesn't come out of just one or two experiences. So like if I had done two ultras in a row, oh, I did my mentally tough challenge, you know, for this next upcoming race. It's like, okay, but that's going to give you tiny little gains compared to like, if you do a mental challenge, it lasts a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks Um, and so I, I think people could learn to build in something that's kind of daily. Like I remember, um, having this, this challenge when I was training for a race where what I would do is I would force myself no matter what to run the last half mile of a run. It was up this hill, Um, Because a lot of times I would tell myself, oh, the run's done, walk the last half mile up this hill. And so I would kind of create things like that in my mind where every day it was like something that I stuck to and had to do. So I think that's something um, that that you can kind of come out of it with. Um, And the other is, you know, and this might sound physical, but it is mental. You have to trust your body. You have to trust your body to do its thing. Um, And I think that comes down to like, this is why we don't need performance enhancing drugs. This is why we don't need painkillers. This is why, you know, if you trust your body and you, you go that process and you listen to it as you go, I really believe that, that we are capable if we do that of anything, you know? And, and I've only barely touched the surface. And I know that from what I've done and what people have told me from their experience of like following it, you know, they learned so much of what they're capable of too. And it's like, but it's still such, it feels like such a little drop in the bucket, you know, 200 ultras in 200 days. I lived it. And to me, it just doesn't seem that big because it's like, it was the experience, you know, that I went through. Um, But I could see looking from the outside in how it's like, whoa, that's a lot of running. (laughs) Like, how is that possible? And, And I mean, I had people that were like, no, you're not doing it. Like they were just so, they just could not believe it. And, and I'm in the ultra running world. And so I was like, wait, people don't believe it. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know people that have done things that, that I think are like at least as crazy, you know, or like you look at uh, Pete's run across Transcon mm-hmm. across the U.S. I think one of the greatest athletic achievements that I've ever seen, you know, he was averaging nearly I think it was 70 miles a day. You know and and yeah it was 42 days like that's not as long as i went 72 or 70 miles a day though like blows your mind you know what that takes physically um so so i think you know when we're in the ultra ring world and sometimes we need to step back and realize like wow we're you know this isn't necessarily something that people outside the world can understand mm-hmm. you know the ultra running world so that was kind of an eye-opener <laughs> so
0: true it's like the classic thing like when you tell someone who's not a runner you're like yeah i'm doing 100 mile this week and they're like 100 miles like and then <laughs> everyone knows what's coming next I, I i don't even drive that far right like it's like right. the classic line we get all the time um i will say like being in the ultra running community it's still impressive to me to see what <laughs> you've done but i can understand <laughs> and i think you had one of the coolest answers like i've ever heard to that kind of question which is like you know, you have to experience things in order to really get the benefits yourself. Like, I think that's the coolest thing is like, we can hear lessons from like other people or read books or listen to podcasts, but the best way to learn is actually getting dirty, getting in there, doing it yourself, like, you know, doing your own challenge. Like I love that perspective. And I think, you know, that was probably one of the most powerful answers I've gotten to that kind of question. Cause it is, it's you know, it's, it's one of those things where it says experience is the best teacher other than, you know, hearing it from, you know, a different source, so to say. Um, and so like, do you feel the same way just in life in general or more so from this challenge? Like, I'm curious to hear your perspective on that a little more.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I think, I think sometimes, uh, people are afraid to just jump in and kind of do something on their own. Um, And it is like the hardest thing to do is to start something. So like if anything, you know, inspiring, if any of us can inspire somebody to just start running or just start doing something, that's how things just snowball into something you can never imagine. In 2010, um, I had a two-year-old and a five-year-old and I got into ultras and I had no idea where it would go. (laughs) You know, it's just like, um, I was one of the generation of like, we read Born to Run and we were like, whoa, this is crazy. You know, the minimal shoe movement and like <laughs> we jumped into that and we thought this is, you know, so it's like, it's crazy how, I guess it's what they say with like the flap of the butterfly wing effects, you know, <laughs> world events in china or whatever you know it's like crazy how something little can just spark something in somebody else um and so it'd be kind of interesting like to see to you know if people realize like we can train this much i'm not saying we necessarily should but like if we can there may be blocks of training where we do want to do higher volume but we were afraid to because we thought, oh, this is bad for our bodies or our knees will break. or And and it was so interesting because like during the streak, I got a lot of different opinions from people, right? Because I was putting everything out there. I wanted to be really open about like, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I've done each day. You know, I, I want people to be able to observe it and see as it's happening. And so I had a lot of people coming in telling me it started out, you know, you're going to ruin your knees, which is typical, like you're runner. You've heard that. <laughs> I'm like, gee, why haven't my knees ever hurt then? Okay. So then you're going to ruin your whole body. And, you know, I had people telling me how they felt about how I looked, um, you know, negative stuff. Um, and I just was kind of like, whatever, like, I feel good. I feel like I look good. I don't care what you think. (laughs) And, and then it became like near the end, it was like, you're going to drop dead, you know? So it was like crazy to see just all these opinions and I think you know, in this world and age of like we're all sharing things online, you know you have to somehow I'm not sure how we're gonna do it, honestly, but you have to just you have to stay clear in yourself of your own truth and not take in those things. I will sometimes tell myself, no, that's that's like very thoughtfully. So that the other people's ideas don't come into my brain and become my truths. I'll say, that's not my truth. I'll say that to myself after I see a belief I don't believe in or want to believe in, or that's, you know, that's not going to happen. And I make that very um, clear thing in my own head. Cause sometimes we can take in other people's ideas of, of what can happen to us and our bodies. And um, I believe that we actually do embody, if we're not careful, different belief systems like that. So You know, I've never had knee pain. I don't want to have it. I don't think you need to have it as a runner. That's not a belief that I will agree to. Mm. Uh, And and so I, I think that there is some of that that we should really be careful, like, of not taking in
0: yeah i love that so much because like our beliefs like can dictate like so basically our actions right it dictates everything that we do and we all know the quote that says like you are the average of the five people you hang around with and the same thing goes with like beliefs like if you're hanging around all these uh different beliefs or taking them in to your point you can almost shift like you know your perspective right it's like the study they did with the two twins where they drop them off in completely different locations and they grow up and they're completely different people with different values and it's just like that that whole like nature versus nurture kind of thing. It's where, hey, like, you know, the nature can really, really affect it. To kind of like, I I have two more questions for you here and kind of like leans on the one thing. You mentioned beliefs. What are some like beliefs for you like that really maybe you carried through throughout the entire challenge, or maybe just from a general perspective in life, when you are, uh, you know, making decisions and everything, what are some beliefs that totally dictate what Candace does, you know, uh, on on your path to meaning and purpose and, and creating a great life for yourself?
1: Well, uh, one, and this was learned kind of during the streak too, is is movement is healing and movement is Um, life. And so I think sometimes we think, Oh, you know, I moved hard yesterday, I need to rest today. But is, is full rest really a good thing? Like, does that actually jumpstart healing? Um, So one of my beliefs is question all of our own beliefs. So it's one thing like it's, we all question other people all the time and things we hear, oh yeah, sure, that's true. You know, but how often do we actually question our own beliefs? That is the most powerful thing we can do. And so I try to look at myself in that kind of way and to question those beliefs as I go along because you can question other people all day. That's not gonna change your life. And it's probably not gonna change their life. So what we have to do is realize what do we believe? And I think that's actually kind of hard to figure out unless you're open to believing something different. Because you have to accept that it's not just a truth. It's A belief isn't necessarily a truth. Um, a belief is just something that we've decided to make true. So So that it, beliefs and the philosophy around that and like our reality and how it forms, like it's so interesting to me. And it really started with like, Organizing 200 milers, because what I saw is people's perception of reality shifted as they were running and they were getting lack of sleep, we would find every 200 miler, one, two, three people would completely lose it mentally. So I'm talking about like, we had people early on who um, lost touch with reality. They did not know who they were. They didn't even know where they were in a few cases. There was a woman, she was at an aid station and we stopped her and she was with her crew and she was kind of acting crazy and she thought she was in Seattle. And we were like in, um, I don't remember if it was like in, oh, I think it was in Lake Tahoe. So we're in California. (laughs) And, And I was like, wow, just through sheer, like lack of sleep, we can walk through a different door of reality. Like how do we create this one that we're in and and what door do we have open at any given time? So like it it made me realize that things are, are more shifty than like we realize we see what we see through our eyes isn't necessarily the truth. And so, because like she thought it was a truth what she was experiencing in that moment But then all of us over here were like, uh, let's make sure she like she can't go on until she gets some sleep (laughs) or we figure out what's going on. And we didn't know that would happen in 200s. Like this was a new thing. You know, we hadn't had four day events that were timed nonstop. So people weren't pushing in 100 milers. People weren't pushing themselves for 100 hours. You know, the most would be like hard rock at, I think, 48 hours. And you would see people lose it at 48 hours at hard rock. Um, But it was very rare. And so we learned that we had to start putting these safety measures in place to make sure that we were noticing if people were starting to lose it. We were trying to encourage people to get sleep, especially if they were slower um, it, you know, like they were taking three or four days, they were going to have to get some sleep. Otherwise, um, they would get lost and have to come rescue. them. <laughs> so yeah, the whole the, the whole idea of like reality and all that um, really stemmed from like kind of observing, you know, from the organizer standpoint, what was happening, you know, to runners and and thinking, huh, I wonder if that's happening in daily life to some degree.
0: So good. I I love that perspective so much because yes, like those two hundred milers, and I've never personally experienced. I've witnessed it, you know, being a pacer and seeing, and even just from people like you know, people lose their their marbles out there. I mean, my <laughs> friend was racing uh uh Bigfoot one time, and he said that he was with his pacer, and he was like wow, I didn't know there was uh monkeys in Washington. And my friend was like, yep, there, there's no monkeys. You're just, uh, you're just kind of losing it. So like, I always think about that. It's like, you know, these 200 miles, your reality might be monkeys in in Washington on the Bigfoot course. But anyways, I digress. It's cool to see that you take that same concept and apply it to everyday life. Because I think sometimes it can be easy to think, you know, and, and you can, like pushing yourself is a way to do so. But we can, you know, just, sitting here you know in in our, in our houses just kind of like thinking about life also you know alter our belief in reality and how we see things and so it's so cool to see you take that same principle on and and put it into running as well i'm sure that's a conversation that we could have for like hours and hours on yeah. and may, maybe we'll have it in the future but uh for for the sake of time here uh, this conversation was amazing if anyone wants to experience some uh, belief and, and life altering experiences though. I will put destination trails, uh, link in the uh, show notes, please sign up for one of those races. And, and Candace, I'll tell you like sometime, I don't know when, but sometime I'll be at Moab racing for sure. Uh, I will be putting oh. my name in the lottery sometime. Uh, so there you go. Hold, hold me accountable to that, but anyone else want to sign up for some of these crazy, amazing races? Um, there's some of the best of the best, uh, check out the link in the show notes. i Also put Candace's socials and her website in there as well follow along her content, like following along your, uh, challenge every single day was one of the highlights of my Instagram each day. And it's funny because I was like, Oh, you know, this is the content." I was, I told myself, I was like, this is the content I'm gonna be seeing for like the next like two years or so, but it's awesome to see at 200. You were like, Hey, I'm going to focus on everything, but the content's great. So please follow Candice. Um, do her races for sure. If That 200 mile experience uh, definitely, you know, intrigues you. I know it does for me. And uh, Candace, this has been an awesome conversation. And for my last question that I ask every single guest that comes on the show, the show is called the Everyday Ultra Podcast. Ethos of the show is helping our listeners become better endurance athletes every day. So my question to you is what can our listeners do every single day to be a better endurance athlete? And if your answer is run a 50K every day, that would, that would be valid too, but curious to hear <laughs> your perspective.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, um, personally, like, I think, uh, these run streaks are pretty cool. So, you know, even if it's just a mile a day, um, I, I think everybody could benefit to some degree to getting out and moving every day. Uh, I'm not, you know, the, the ultra streak taught me that, like, I'm not necessarily a fan of like a full rest day, you know, unless, you, unless you really have to, I think that the body does better with moving. So like, if you had a minimum run streak of like a mile a day, that, that would be my advice is like, it'll keep you motivated and going. And, um, if it's something you, you need to do every day, then, um, yeah, you'll just, who knows, it might turn into a bigger workout or, or something like that.
0: I love that so much. Yeah. And it kind of relates to your movement is medicine kind of thing, right? It's like, even on that rest day, like sometimes just moving a little bit is better than just sitting on a couch. I know I've been very guilty of that over the past year. And I've even been trying to like, you know, hike or get on the bike or just like move around. And like, I just feel like immensely better. So, um, and it's awesome to see that, you know, someone of your, your caliber and talent and uh world record holder is, is given that same advice. So awesome to hear that. And Candace, thank you so much again for this episode. This was incredible. You're incredible and uh, really, really appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you so
0: much for listening to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. And if you absolutely love the show and want to support us in any ways, there's a few ways that you can do so. The first way is writing us a review on the platform of your choice. Reviews really, really matter, and they help us to spread the word a lot more. So if you have the time to do so, would love that as well. Number two, you can join our Patreon community. Patreon helps us to support the show and helps us to grow and invest into new developments and growth. And on top of that, just for about $5 a month, you can get access to monthly calls with me where you can ask me anything on a monthly basis connect with other members in the everyday ultra community and ultimately get early access episodes without ads as well which is super super cool all for about five dollars a month so it's a great way to support us and then number three is taking care of our sponsors on here so as you heard in the beginning of the podcast uh we had some sponsors in here and if you want to invest into their product and uh, go try them out, they're all products that I've tried either in my training and I live by. I don't take any sponsorships from anybody. I don't incorporate in my training. So uh, feel free to take advantage of their product and tell them that Joe sent you from Everyday Ultra. Those are three ways to support the podcast, but no matter which way that you choose or if you don't choose a way at all, just know that I really appreciate you for listening in. I know there's tons of podcasts out there. And the fact that you're listening to us, that really, really means a lot. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And remember, become a better endurance athlete every day. And we'll see you real soon. Take care.